All right. <clears throat> I hope uh, that last week's teaching left us all with assurance. Um, and no matter what situation we're in, that God is with us because of Christ and through Christ, we have a great salvation. Um, in today's uh, portion of scripture in Jeremiah 13, uh, I think God does us a mercy um, in confronting us and, of course, you know, speaking to the nation, you know, of, of Judah. And he, he mentions Judah and Jerusalem. Um, so his chosen people at the time, you know, the, the people that he's talking to are those people. But I think he does us a great mercy by allowing us to see it in our context as well and confronts, confronts us with a sin, I think, that lives in all of our hearts um, at some point or other, the sin of pride. And uh, it's uh, what we see here, based on the text, what we see is the main idea would be uh, a warning, and that would be pride before God leads us to exile from God. Pride before God leads us to exile from God. Um, people in this country just finished celebrating a month they call Pride Month, of course. A month to celebrate uh, simple relationships and actions. But the thing is, the sin of pride is present in many of our lives. Um, Augustine, he was a very early theologian actually from Africa, he taught that humility is a chief Christian virtue. To be humble before God is, to be, is, a, is a chief Christian virtue. And there are, I think, some scriptural examples of this. I'm going to give uh, quite a few, like, I'm going to kind of hammer on some scriptures. I'm not going to turn to them, read them. But if anybody wants to write them down or anything like that, they're welcome to. Or go back and listen later and write them down and check them out and kind of study what they say. But there are some scriptural examples of the truth that um, humility is very important for the Christian. Um, first in Proverbs 3, 5 and 8, um, it says that only the humble have God's leadership. God's only going to lead the humble. Um, Matthew 18, uh, 21 through 35 says... Basically, that um, only the humble can forgive others. Those who understand that they are forgiven have to be forgiven of much themselves. Um, Luke 15, 25 through 32 says, basically, that only the humble can rejoice when people come to Christ. Um, Matthew 5, 3 teaches us that only the humble can be saved. Those who humble themselves before the Lord. And Matthew 18, 4 teaches that the humble are the greatest in the kingdom. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. Let the, let the leader be a servant, right? So we see there the, the absolute importance of being humble in a Christian's life. And pride is referred to by many, many commentators, many uh, who have studied throughout history and have written about the sin of pride they've they've basically kind of come to a consensus that pride is the mother of all sins meaning it births sin through it 
sin, as we know, is willful. It's something that we will against God. It's, it, it, it's basically willing against God what God has willed for us. That's what sin is. Willing, willing against what God has willed for us. Because a heart full of pride says that I know better than God. And I think many times in my life when I've had struggles and, and sin in times in my life, I think that's, that's kind of the key ingredient a lot of times. I think I know better than God, and therefore, what do I end up doing? I end up sinning, falling, failing. Um, pride can lead us to three can lead to three really dangerous places to be, um, and I can see a lot of this because before Christ, I see some of this, and, and also times in Christ when I've been in a in a time of pridefulness in my own life I've seen this begin to develop and you may recognize the pattern as well um, the first pretty dangerous place is that prayer becomes about us and not about God and Luke 18 9 through 14 talks about that um, Lord thank you that I'm not like all these other people I'm so much more awesome I'm better than this tax collector here he's an awful sinner you see, those, those times of pride lead us to making the prayers about ourselves. Then, pride, secondly, can keep us from seeing the future clearly. James 4, 13 through 16 talks of that. And for those not in Christ, if we think about it, pride can ultimately damn our souls. For those not in Christ, they've said, we know better than God. The, the, the scriptural example I would give is Matthew 27, 23 through 44. That is when Christ is before the people. And he's taught these people. He's, he's preached to these people. He's, he's, he's poured out his love to these people. And instead they yell, crucify him, give us Barabbas. So pridefulness is, is probably the sin that leads us to that. You know, to those who are not in Christ, those who are not his, that's, that's, that's the one. I know better than God. I don't need him. So in Jeremiah confronting the mother of all sins, he uses, I think, um, <coughs> what would be two, I think, really helpful word pictures, things that we can kind of understand. Um, he uses the uh, illustration of the loincloth, and he uses the illustration of the wine jars. Those two illustrations, I think, are very helpful word pictures for us to kind of see um, where pride leads and how, how God feels, feels about pride in, in, in people's lives and in our lives. So first, in verses 1 through 11 here, <coughs> is where we talk about uh, the loincloth. Um, for those of us who uh, need a better picture, it's like underdrawers. That's what they are. That's what a loincloth is. So God tells Jeremiah to buy a, a nice brand new loincloth and wear it for a little while. Then to take it and bury it in a crevice by the Euphrates. 
a very interesting thing for God to tell somebody to do, but that's what he tells Jeremiah to do because he's trying to get to a point. So, by the time God tells Jeremiah to go back and get it, his perfectly good loincloth that covered him perfectly and fit well and was nice is completely ruined. It's dirty, filthy, and not worth wearing. God explains his illustration to Jeremiah in this because this sounds like a very odd situation to be in, but God explains it in verses 8 through 10. He says, says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thus says the Lord, Just so will I destroy the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. This wicked people who refuse to listen to my words, who walk in the stubbornness of their hearts, and have gone after other gods to serve them and to bow down to them, let them be just like this waistband, which is totally worthless. So what we see in this metaphor that God gives uh, Jeremiah and that he that is written down here for us to see is that we see that these outside elements are ruining something that was perfectly good. It was perfectly good in the first place. It was useful. The idea is really simple. That a relationship with God in the case, now this is in the case of Judah and Jerusalem, the two the, the places he's talking to, when exposed to the outside element of the sin of pride is ruined. And they refuse to listen to that. That outside sin of pride is this, that we know better. It's okay for us to worship these other things too because we're by the temple. We're with the temple. The temple is right here in Jerusalem. We have it. So they refuse to listen to God and because of that, they're going to be ruined because those outside elements are ruining them and God says, you're no longer useful. Now, in the, lives of a, in the life of a Christian, it's a different type of, of deal. You know, God is never going to utterly throw us away. He says that in his word. And, you know, you, I will never get rid of you. Nothing can pluck you out of my hand, right? But when we see pride begin to live in our lives and we see that thing happening in our lives, what we see is that we slide into sinfulness at times. The sin of pride can take our eyes off of God's ways and his disciplines in our own life. And pride can ruin some things. It can ruin relationships with others. I've, I've seen that in my life, you know, times of pride for me and for others that have ruined great friendships are totally destroyed now because of, of pride. You know, and I think that is a, uh, something that you see a lot as far as what pride can do to a Christian is there's a lot of relationships that you can really mess up. So, um, but of course, what we see for the case of Judah and Jerusalem is they're useless to God. They're, 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 right now, they are so encapsulated by the sinfulness and wickedness around them that God says, I've got to, I've got to cast you away into captivity. So sin spoils, right? Sin, sin spoils. You know, we've always heard that uh, one bad apple spoils the bunch, right? Well, sin spoils, and we, and that's why we as uh, Christians, we keep a guard over our heart. We watch, we watch over it. We, we care about the word. We study the word. We learn more of Christ and his ways, 
and we depend upon the Holy Spirit to help us to guard our hearts. Now, secondly, sin destroys. Um, verse 12 through 14 talks about the wine jars. <coughs> now, this is a very interesting uh, analogy that God, God uses because what God is really about to do is he's about to flip the script because the, this people had been blessed by God because they're his people. He had blessed them immensely. He had constantly taken care of them. He had constantly given made them rich, made them have wonderful land, fruitful place, you know, a land of milk and honey, right? He had given this to them. And they had turned the blessing of God into a curse because they had grown drunk with it. They had filled their cups, filled their cups, filled their cups with the blessing of God. And the provision of God had made them complacent. It made them drunk with, with their thought that, you know what, we're God's people, we're good, we're in Jerusalem, the, the temple's here, we're all fine. Well, here's the thing, though. If I had a jar, a mason jar full of some canned green beans sitting right here, if I tried to step on it, it'd be a little difficult to smash. You know, I could probably do it if I worked hard. But if that jar was empty, it's much easier to smash. And these nation's leaders are fixing to see that this wine jar that has been full, that they've been drinking off of and getting drunk and becoming complacent, allowing idols in, doing all these evil things, even though Josiah is trying to get them back to God. This thing that they've done, they've, They've taken and they've made the, the blessing of God a curse. Well, they'll soon be drunk on something else. They'll soon be drunk upon the wrath of God poured out upon them. And those jars of blessing are going to be empty. And they're going sm to be smashed. I thought Stephen Smith said something very interesting. A blessing we abuse becomes a curse. Isn't that an interesting phrase? They thought God was going to continue blessing and blessing and blessing despite the sinfulness and the fact that they had actually turned from him towards other gods. And the leader's pride is going to lead them into exile. So God then gives, through Jeremiah, two distinct warnings. The first one is that he warns against pride. In verse 15, he's pretty clear Listen and give heed. Do not be haughty, for the Lord has spoken. He's saying, don't be so prideful. Listen to what Proverbs 29.1 says. I love the uh, heading in, uh, in Proverbs for this. It's the heading for Proverbs 29 of mine is warnings and instructions, which is a lot of what Proverbs is. But 20, Proverbs 29.1 says, The man who hardens his neck after much reproof, will suddenly, be, will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. So he's telling them, turn from your pride. Turn from your pride. Well, they're fixing to be humbled. They're fixing to not have a choice but to turn from their pride, right? Because they're fixing to be cast into exile into slavery. And then we see the second warning is that their pride brings exile. Verses 18 through 27 
make that clear um, as God explains those things. In verses 18 through 20, uh, God is clearly encouraging them still. Humble yourself before God because exile awaits those who reject God. And that fact, I think, is the perfect example in our day for those who reject Christ. Exile definitely awaits those who reject Christ in our day. Those who reject Christ will forever be exiled and separated from his grace, period. There will be no gracefulness. They will have to be enduring his wrath for all eternity. So we see turn from your pridefulness is something that he still calls sinners to. And we who are in Christ, I'm so thankful that one at one day in our lives, we were confronted with our sin and we had to fall on our knees and say, you know what, God, I can't do this on my own. And then we begin that great process of being saved, right? To be sanctified and to be, to be changed and to see sin constantly as something that we're fighting in our lives and our hearts being guarded by it. So, those who aren't humbled will be humbled by his wrath. And for these people who he's talking to, this specific group of people, they have a great example of where pride leads. Because pride led to 40 years in the wilderness, wandering. And they're falling into the same type of pattern, the same type of thing they're falling into. And they're going back into captivity. They were brought out of captivity. They spent 40 years in the wilderness in pride, and, and God still brought them in. And God's been so patient with them and been so merciful with them throughout Judges. You see that throughout um, the times of David. You see this that God has great patience and, 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 and uh, long-sufferingness with his people, that even though sometimes he has to send them into captivity, he always brings them back. And they've had this example, yet they're going to still have to go back into captivity because they did not heed the warning. And though this is for a specific people in a specific time, most definitely, I think it's useful for us. Um, I thought uh, one scripture that came to mind was uh, James 4, 6. It says, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And that's a clear message that he actually resists pride and pridefulness. He is against it. Yet, when we humble ourselves before Christ, we receive his grace. And that is a wonderful thing. We must never take credit for what God has done for us because it is his great mercy that we even sit here as people who can say I am in Christ, I am saved in Christ and we never take that for granted now notice <coughs> also in this little small portion of scripture that there are other reasons why God is angry um, in Verse 22, he talks about the magnitude of iniquity. So he's saying their guilt for their sin is, is one reason he's angry. In verse 25, 
um, it talks about how they have forgotten God and trusted lies. It says, you've forgotten me and you trusted in falsehood. They forgot God and they trusted in lies. And then it says, basically in um, verse 27, there's another way to go about it. Um, they've committed the spiritual equivalent of adultery and depraved prostitution. They are awfully dirty before God because of this, right? So we see that there are definitely other reasons for God to be mad, but because of this, an enemy is coming from the north to take them into captivity. But what is at the root of all of those sins is very simple. Pride. I'm willing what I wish and I'm willing against what God wishes. I know better than God. That's what this people had said. So, that sin of pride has led them to so many other things, and we begin to see that. So, let us all be a people who are repentant for our pride at times, because there, I don't think there's any of us who could sit here and say, no, I don't have any pride. I'm, I'm completely humble. Like, remember when Moses wrote, in Moses' book, that there was nobody more humble than Moses, right? We can't say that because we know that all, in all of our lives we have some sort of pridefulness. And we pray that God would forgive us for that, right? And that he would help us with our pride. But thanks be to God that it's not going to take an enemy coming from the north and taking us into captivity to see this because we have Christ. We have brand new hearts through the Holy Spirit living in us, a brand new clean heart that can see these things. So my prayer is that we would all be repentant and we would all be made clean by Christ all the time, every day, set free from that pride in our lives. So next week uh, we're going to read Jeremiah 14.1 through 15.9. 14.1 through 15.9.